Welcome to SBNM is Here, the State Bar of New Mexico's official podcast. In this series, we'll discuss topics such as professional development, tools of the legal trade, and mental and professional well-being. Connecting the legal community across New Mexico, SBNM is here. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to season three of SBNM is Here. This is Morgan Pettit, member services manager and podcast producer. This episode is brought to you by the Family Law Section with a special shout out to Larry Hayek, who has helped to bring a handful of family law related episodes to you these past three seasons. We are grateful to steal some time for Bettina McCracken of the Child Support Enforcement Division. The division establishes paternity, child income and medical support orders, manages online payments, child support guidelines, and so much more. This is a jam-packed episode of information that can benefit your practice, so let's get right into it. Larry and Bettina, it's all yours. Well, good afternoon. We are here with Bettina McCracken, who is the Acting Director for the Child Support Enforcement Division of the New Mexico Human Services Department. Thank you for joining us today, Bettina. Thank you for having me, Larry. I'm excited about this. Tell me a little bit, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I, I am, the, as you mentioned, the Acting Director of the Child Support Enforcement Program here in New Mexico. My real job is Deputy Director of the program. Um, but so right now I'm wearing a couple of hats, but that's okay. It's uh, it's a lot of fun here. Um, I've been with the child support program since 2013, so uh, just over nine years. But I've been with um, HSD, the Human Services Department, uh, since 2003. So it will be 20 years come January, which is just shocking to me. Um, I'm a native Albuquerquean, a native New Mexican. Um, prior to my world in uh, state government, I have a TV and TV background. I come from TV news. I worked at KOB TV for 13 years before coming over here. And um, before that, I did some radio. So a uh, podcast, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, is uh, a younger person's version of what I used to do back at KUNM when I was at UNM. So this is exciting. Well, we're glad to have you here. Um, the Child Support Enforcement Division, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, for example, what kind of things you do and where are you located? Thank you. We are located all across the state. We have 14 field offices across the state. Our main office, our central office, what we call, is in Santa Fe. Um, the Child Support Enforcement Division, that is our official uh, name. That is what we are listed at with, through the statutes, um, but we really are the, we're we've been modernizing our program and we're really calling ourselves the New Mexico Child Support Program. And the reason being, as you know, Larry, we do much more at child support than enforce child support cases. We establish paternity, we establish child support and medical support orders. We modify those orders. We try to do everything before really enforcing those orders, meaning enforcement in a, in a negative way. We want to make sure that people are cooperating with us on the front end so we don't have to go to those negative enforcement actions. Granted, enforcing a child support order means everything from um, just getting wage withholding set up with employers, um, or if someone is on unemployment benefits, we communicate with uh, the Department of Workforce Solutions to get those as part of payments towards child support. For IRS uh, intercepts, um, we intercept uh, money when someone is delinquent in paying their child support, and uh, uh, we try to get those monies to the custodial parent um, and the child, most importantly. Oh, that's... That's great. You mentioned uh, 14 field offices. 
Uh, I know down here we have offices in Silver City and Deming and Las Cruces. Uh, what, what other what other places in New Mexico do we have CSED offices? I'm going to start because I think of it this way, um, north to south. So we have an office in Farmington. Farmington serves uh, San Juan and McKinley counties. We have an office in Las Vegas. And Las Vegas, I'd have to pull up how many counties they serve, but they serve five different counties um, from San Miguel, Taos, Mora. Uh, then we have Santa Fe. Um, Santa Fe serves Los Alamos. Uh, Santa Fe County and Rio, Rio Arriba County. We have Rio Rancho that serves the Sandoval County offices. We have two offices in Albuquerque. Um, granted, it's the largest city and they uh, both cover the, the Bernalillo County area. Um, we have Los Lunas that covers several different counties there as well. Valencia, Cibola and Torrance County. We have Alamogordo that covers um, Otero County and Lincoln County. Um, we have Roswell that covers Chavez County and another county. Eddie. Have, Eddie, thank you. Uh, we have Clovis that covers three different counties there. Uh, Curry, Roosevelt. I'm going to miss the third. Quiet. And then we, thank you. And then we have um, Hobbs and Hobbs covers Lee County only, I believe. But then you mentioned Las Cruces, which is where you are. Las, Cru Las Cruces covers both Doña Ana County and Sierra County. Um, then we have uh, Deming, which covers which county? Um, Luna. Luna. Okay. And Silver City covers two counties. Grant and Hidalgo. And how come you know all of this, Larry? Because I used to work for the child support office and that have is. been visited and visited every, every, every field office around the state. Uh, all different locations, and I'm glad glad that you mentioned how the Child Support Enforcement Division is now the Child Support Division and what services you're providing. I'd like to ask you a little bit about uh, your online payments, which is something that started in, I guess, 2020, your online and your phone payments. So how can people access that information? Sure. Thank you for bringing that up. It actually started in 2019. We started as a pilot program in June at one of our offices just to try to get, um, you know, how are we going to communicate with our with our staff, with our, uh, sorry, with our customers? How are we going to communicate with them about this opportunity to make payments online and by phone? Um, so we did uh, direct targeting uh, messaging to them. We texted people, uh, the non-custodial parents who come in to make their payments or they make their payments by check. We, um, in our system, we were able to find out who are those folks. We sent them text messages to let them know that they can pay through eBill Express. That's our current vendor for online payments and by phone. So online, um, the uh, link online is, um, you can access it through the Human Services Department website, which is www.hsd.state.nm.us. I mean, it's just catchy. You can just, you know, you can figure out how to find that. But um, uh, eBill Express is the is um, the the vendor. We also, if you call our Consolidated Customer Service Center, which is our one eight hundred number for all things Human Services Department related, if you call that number uh, and you, it's one eight hundred two eight three four four six five, and you get to the child support line, it will ask if you want to make a payment today and it will transfer you to, um, to the eBill e Express uh, line and you can make a payment. You can make those payments by uh, credit or debit cards or you can make it e-check. 
And an e-check is you have to give them your routing number and your banking number. That is a free service. Uh, making it by debit or credit cards, there is a convenience fee for that. Granted, we are trying to figure out how we might be able to cover that uh, conveni convenience fee in the possibly the next legislative session. Um, it all comes down to money. We would like to make it easier for non-custodial parents to make those payments uh, because we know that that's important for the families that we're serving and the children, most importantly. Well, that's wonderful for the uh, practitioners out there to learn a little bit about trying to make it easier for their clients to either accept payments or make payments. So that information is extremely helpful. Let's talk a little bit about how many, well, first off, let me ask you, how many people and how many children uh, go through the child support office? How many clients or uh, parents? We have uh, 177,000 customers in the child support program. That is um, custodial parents, non-custodial parents, and the dependents. Um, we have 53, about 53,000 cases right now. Um, so we have a, a, a lot of folks that we are serving in, uh, in the child support program. Um, you know, we, we do everything uh, for them from simple, uh, we could do something as simple if someone wanted to apply for services for us, say they already have a court order. They have child support that was ordered in their uh, divorce decree, for example, and they, they, we, they can come to us and we can simply um, do a payment processing application, wage withholding only, and someone can apply, we get the court order, we enter it, we work with the employer of the non-custodial parent to get wage withholding in and then simply get that to the custodial parent um, so that they can help raise that dependent. So that's one of the ways that we serve people uh, in a simple way. But the full service application for child support, we do everything like I was talking about before. So say you have you don't have anything. You don't you don't have a court order. You don't have an attorney. You don't need an attorney um, with uh, with the child support program. Um, we don't represent you. Granted, when you do apply for our services, um, our we have attorneys within the child support program, as you were one, Larry. Um, and uh, while you don't represent the the customers who come our way, you represent the state, and we follow all the guidelines to make sure that we establish paternity. Um, we establish the court order. We make sure that medical support is uh, being taken care of, whether or not it's uh, a private health coverage or if it's a public health coverage uh, plan. Um, we make sure that that's uh, being taken care of for the dependent. So there's lots of things that the child support program offers. I'm really glad that you're asking all these questions because I think people have had the misconception of the child support program simply being a punitive program. And there are so many things that we provide to uh, New Mexico families. Um, and I'd love to make sure people know how to, how to access this. Well, a couple of thoughts popped into my mind. Uh, first off, how much, what's the percentage of people that pay their child support through wage withholding? Do you, do you have that number? I do. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, in for the state fiscal year, 22, which just ended in June of this year, we collected $130.3 million um, uh, uh, in all of our all of our cases. 60% of those payments came from wage withholding. That's so a good we, number. It is a good number. We want to increase that. That is the most um, uh, convenient way and the most successful way in getting child support payments from one party to the other. 
Um, regular NCP payments last year was 17% of that 130. 12% um, came in from tax intercepts. And uh, let's see, 3% came in from unemployment compensations. So the, again, the most consistent way of making those monthly payments is wage withholding. So we have we have a program that actually uh, started as well in the last three years. It's called Step Up. It's called Supporting, Training, and um, Employing Parents Up. And what we do is we're partnering with the Department of Workforce Solutions um, to help non-custodial parents who are unemployed or underemployed get the job development and job opportunities that are uh, available through the Department of Workforce Solutions so that they can get on wage withholding and make those regular payments. So um, we recognize how important wage withholding is, how important employers are. I mean, I know that employers uh, probably aren't real thrilled when they get that child support order that we send to them and they have to start withholding uh, that, that um, that money from the employee. Uh, it, it's got to be a difficult thing for them to do. So we're very thankful for their participation. It is required. So we're glad that they do it as well. And we're trying to make it uh, as easy as possible for them. You mentioned something uh, about payment processing. And I thought in my mind, as I've explained it to people, HSD and the Child Support Enforcement, the Child Support Division actually does like a bookkeeping service. Money, money comes in, money goes out. And it's never a he said, she said type of situation. In many of the cases that I see, uh, people say, well, I paid her in cash or I paid him in cash. And they'll say, well, no, they didn't. And there's no proof. Uh, in, in, the, in Donana County, we have a local rule in the third judicial district that income withholding that's put in place has to go through the child support office so that it is a bookkeeping function. And uh, it's, ma it's made a big difference because we have about $2 million in Donana County uh, being processed through the uh, local office. Yeah, that's the best way to, to handle it. I, I agree. Um, I, I think that you know, those enforcement actions are the things that some people might, might uh, want to stay away from us, the, the reason they may want to stay away from the child support program. But as long as someone is making those payments regularly, then the enforcement actions, hopefully won't, we won't get there. But again, we have other ways of trying to help people um, make their uh, monthly obligation, do what they need to do. And the step-up program is one of them. Let's talk a little bit more about that step-up program. Um, how long has it been in existence and it, has it become more prevalent? I know that because COVID hit and the pandemic that that stopped it a little bit. Talk to me a little bit more about that and how many people have actually availed themselves to those services. Sure. Um, timing is everything. We started it in 2019. <laughs> and then uh, 2020, we had this pandemic that hit us. So uh, we started as a pilot uh, program. Again, uh, we had one office in the state that we, were, uh, we have been using as a, our pilot office. And they were relatively successful in really reaching those uh, non-custodial parents who weren't making their payments. We have, um, we have tools. We have uh, an, an Excel spreadsheet tool. We call it the caseload prioritization tool. And it can help us identify 
those cases that made a payment two months ago but didn't make a payment last month. Let's call those uh, those folks, those non-custodial parents, and see what happened. Maybe they lost their job. Let's figure out how we can get them on uh, over referred over to the Department of Workforce Solutions. So um, that program started in 2019. In 2020, it definitely did um, did see a hit. So we weren't a lot of people weren't working. Uh, there, you know, some it just was. We know what happened in the pandemic, right? So what we had to do is try our best to re, um, refer people over to DWS. There were still jobs out there. It was just, uh, it was difficult. Um, it was a difficult time. The one thing that the Step Up program did help us with, however, um, was unemployment benefits. I mentioned that in uh, last year, state fiscal year 22, we got 3% of our payments came, coming in from unemployment benefits. Well, in fiscal year 21, <laughs> 10% of our collections came in from unemployment benefits. So that, that, told, that definitely told us that a lot of people were unemployed. That's higher than any given year, any given month. It's usually between one and 3% of where our collections come from unemployment benefits. But the good news was, is that a lot of people that we referred over to DWS through the Step Up program, they had unemployment benefits that were available to them and they didn't know that they were there. So it, it helped that individual, that parent, um, by getting some unemployment benefits themselves, but also making sure that uh, we were getting that payment and the custodial parent and the dependent was, was getting um, those payments as well. How does somebody, uh, how does a New Mexican apply for services for, with the child support division? Um, you can do it three different ways. You can walk into any one of the offices that we have. Um, we have the old fashioned paper uh, application. Um, you can get the application online, fill it out ahead of time and you can mail it to us. Uh, we also have uh, a portal. It's called uh, the e ECSC portal. It's um, it stands for the Electronic Child Support Enforcement um, Portal. And that is an opportunity for you to apply online. However, I really wanna promote this, but it's not here yet. But November 21st, we think is going to be the date. November, December sometime, we're gonna have a, a brand new uh, portal for child support customers and employers. And if you have been on, it's the Yes New Mexico site uh, that HSD has for income support, and it's a really um, convenient uh, way for people to apply for services for Medicaid, for SNAP, for TANF. Well, we are going to be joining uh, them, um, and we have this portal that I actually just got off of a, a demo for that's going to make it really easy for our customers to apply for services. Um, along with uploading documents on this service so they don't have to mail documents to us. Uh, a lot of the documents that we ask for have lots of personal information and uh, we wanna make sure that when we get those documents, they're secure. So um, you can call again, our Consolidated Customer Service Center is a great resource. It's 1-800-283-4465. They can send um, you an application. They can let you know where our offices are. Um, they can let you know how to apply through that portal that we have right now. It's not that convenient. I just want to warn people right now, but it will be convenient by the end of this year. Well, they actually have had people 
in my hearings sometimes when I'll say that we're going to add the Human Services Department Child Support Division, I'll actually hand them the application and tell them exactly where the office is located and what they need to bring. That, that is makes great. It, makes it a little easier for them to try to understand what you're trying to do. It's um, such a complicated process. Uh, I can't. I, I can only imagine what people um, having to go through this are wondering. This is not. It took me years to figure it out. Um, I'm not an attorney, and it, this is all legal stuff. So the, mo the more we can help people walk them through the process, um, the better we're going to be able to help uh, New Mexico families. Well, that's, I'm, I think that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, I want to now focus a little bit about on employers and employers that are out there. Uh, many of our practitioners represent employers. They're hit with a, an order and they don't know what to do. Can you walk us through a little bit about that, how our practitioners can provide services to their clients, their employer sure. clients? Sure. Um, so th there's a lot of responsibilities that employers have. And again, I'm very thankful for them. Um, so we do, we will send them an income withholding order. So when we get the child support order, child support and medical support order, and we know that the parent that is needs to pay um, has an, has a job. Uh, we will send them this this either an electronic income withholding order or a manual income withholding order. So it may come in the mail, or some a lot of employers get these EIWOs, uh, electronic in, um, income withholding orders. So when they get those. All they simply have to do is respond to them. All the questions are there. They're going to ask them if the person, uh, this is the person's name. This will get them some details like their uh, date of birth, um, their social security number to make sure that we're talking about the same person. Um, and they will respond to that. Let us know if that person works there or not. If the person doesn't work there, boy, please let us know that as well. So we can move on and try to find a different employer. So once they get that all that information, um, we they need to start withholding the amount of of, uh, of of the monthly obligation that is set in the order, and we cannot withhold more than fifty percent of a person's income. So if that order is more than that fifty percent, that employer. Uh, doesn't need to withhold more than that. They shouldn't withhold more than 50%. We want to make sure that people have, you know, a, a, an ability to, to live. And uh, that's part of the, those are part of the rules of the child support program. Um, and many of the rules, we should say many, all of the rules um, come from the federal government. We are a, a funded a program, a 66% funded program from the Office of Child Support Enforcement, and we follow um, their rules and regulations. We implement rules and regulations within uh, New Mexico as well. Um, in that order, we'll also talk about medical support. So if the, uh, the paying parent has uh, health coverage, we wanna make sure that the child gets that health coverage. Uh, if the child is on Medicaid, um, we want to know that as well. Um, we currently are collecting a $5 medical support order if the dependent is on Medicaid. Um, some recommendations came out recently uh, from a group, uh, the Guidelines Commission, um, and, and are, I'm thankful for the administration that we have because they really think about the people that we serve and recognize that that $5 may not, may not be doing a lot. So the bottom line is we may be getting rid of the $5 medical support. Um, so that 
so if someone's, if the child's on Medicaid, we just make sure that they get the health coverage that they need. Well, the one thing I wanted to point out when you were talking is that the order that provides for medical support can be a qualifying event. And so you don't have to necessarily wait for the year end or whenever the enrollment period is. The order itself, if it identifies Larry Hayek as a medical support obligor, that turns into a qualifying event if there is health coverage. That, that's great, great information for people to have. So let me ask you, uh, you mentioned the Guidelines Commission. I want to go from the Guidelines Commission, and I want to talk about statutory changes and changes that might come through the legislature. So let's talk about the Guidelines Commission. Talk, talk us a little bit about what it is, how often they meet, and who, who makes it up, and then what the recommendations were. Sure. Um, the Guidelines Commission, so the Child Support Guidelines, there's a schedule. And so these guidelines are not made up willy-nilly. There is, uh, we find out how much income is coming from one party, the other party. We fit you figure out what the expenses are. And this guideline schedule tells us basically how much one party should pay the other. So every four years, we are required to um, review the guidelines based on economic data uh, to see whether or not we're still in the ballpark of where we should be for making sure that uh, the dependent is being taken care of financially appropriately. Now, definitely we've had, um, we had some interesting conversations during this last commission. We met twice this summer, uh, in, once in August and once in September. And we have an economist who gets all the data for us to tell us what's going on in in, in the nation, what's happening in New Mexico, some of the recommendations that came, that are still not final, so we still are waiting on the final report, but some of the recommendations that are coming forward are we want to make sure that um, we're, that we are making sure that the parents are, we're basing these guidelines on actual income, and actual income may not be uh, based on 40 hours worked each week because the uh, industries are, are not necessarily hiring people for 40 hours a week. They may be hiring people um, less, for example. In New Mexico, the average um, actual hours worked is 34.1 hours per week. Nationally, it's 34.6 hours per week. And that they wanted us to make sure that we look at that as potential considerations when we are imputing um, income at minimum wage. So if we're going to impute at minimum wage, if you're at a minimum wage job, you're likely not going to be working 40 hours. So let's be realistic on how much money you're actually making. So that way the, the child support order is based on actual income and an ability that you can actually pay it. We want what we call it is right sizing that court order. We want to make sure that the court order is the uh, right size for that person to pay, because if they're not paying, then they're going to get in arrears. Um, we they're likely once you start getting in arrears, then you kind of walk away from us. You walk away from that obligation. We want to make sure that we're getting this right at the beginning as best we can so that they can make the payments and the parent and the dependent, the custodial parent and the dependent can rely on some consistent payments coming in, not payments that are coming in every once in a while. 
Well, that, that's a great point. Um, let's suppose one of our practitioners has a client and their child support order is uh, many years ago and their changes because of either COVID or they've changed their jobs. What can they do? They've got an order to pay. It's very high. What can they do? They can request um, to have that case reviewed for uh, potential modification. Um, the rules that passed uh, during the legislative session in 20, 2021 um, allowed someone to ask for a modification for a healthcare coverage change. So that would open up the opportunity to review that court, that court order for a modification. But um, otherwise, we want to make sure that there's going to be a 20% difference in the, um, in the income so that we can review it for a modification. That, that's New Mexico's rules. Uh, there are other, I didn't realize this, Larry, but I thought everyone does 20%. Other states, they do it at 10%. So there's still room for improvement. We've been making a lot of changes to our program based on what's called the uh, flexibility, efficiency, and modern modernization rule that was passed in uh, 2016. These are some new rules that came down from the federal government. And they were based on um, on data that showed if we are being flexible we and we're being more modern with our program, we're going to have participants in this program um, who are successful, meaning they are making their payments and uh, the custodial parents receiving the parent, those payments. And more importantly, the dependent is getting the financial support that they need to grow up happy and healthy. Uh, we always have to remember we're talking about children here. What happens uh, when a non-custodial parent doesn't pay? Uh, what, what should practitioners tell their clients that they're representing the custodial parent? When, when someone's not making payments, um, we start getting some uh, alerts ourselves. We start reviewing those cases to see what we can do. Uh, the first thing that probably is going to, to, to make a, a difference in this person's life is they're going to be referred um, for a license suspension. So we, the child support program works with um, different licensing entities across uh, New Mexico, um, 65 different licensing entities, everything from um, driver's licenses, game and fish licenses, uh, occupational uh, professional licenses, um, serving licenses, uh, so if, if you are a hairstylist, you have a license for that. So we're going to work with those licensing entities and those licenses potentially could be suspended. We first give you, uh, if you're 30 days delinquent uh, in your monthly obligation. So say you, you missed, maybe you didn't pay 20 bucks uh, of each uh, the past six months. That's not going to automatically refer you to a license, to the licensing agency for suspension. It's going to be that full um, month uh, payment that is missed. So if that $20 adds up to a full month, it may be six months down the line, it may be nine, 12 months that we're going to refer you uh, potentially over to them. But we're going to give you a heads up first. We send you a text message. So we let you know, look, you're behind, you're, we're about to send this over to the licensing entity. Please contact us. We would like to work with you. Let's get them back in um, back in paying so that way we don't refer them and they keep their license. If they do lose their license, 
then we need to ask for, um, th there are rules. We have some uh, rules. We wanna ask for the full delinquency. Um, if they're working, then we can, if they're on wage withholding again for three consistent months, we, might, we would be able to give them back their license at that point in time. If they offer a lump sum payment and start working, uh, you know, we can negotiate with them there to get their license back. Again, the step-up program, let's refer you to the step-up program. And as long as you are cooperating and doing everything that the career consultant over at the Department of Workforce Solutions is asking you to do to help you get a job, then we're going to um, get that license back so that you can help yourself get a job with that as well. So uh, that's the first step is license suspension. Well, I will tell lawyers that are out there, it even impacts the legal profession. Uh, we, have had, had, we have had lawyers have their license suspended to practice law for failure to pay child support. Um, I always tell people that communication is the key. If you're running through, again, a child's life is 18 years. And so obviously things change in the course of someone's life. So if you're running across difficulties, Make sure you're in touch with the non-custodial parent, the custodial parent, as well as the child support office and potentially the courts. But everything, communication is the key. And I think the opportunities by coming to your office and discussing it and possibly getting the step-up program, I just think that that's fantastic. Um, last, last area that I wanted to talk about, what statutory changes can be recommended or are going to be recommended in the 2023 legislature? Um. I, as the acting director of child support, um, can only tell you what we've been talking about. I don't know how far we're going to go with this, but I did mention uh, possibly uh, amend the Mandatory Medical Support Act so that we can eliminate the cash medical support for Medicaid. So I think that's a, a, it's a, it's a slam, it's kind of a slam dunk. It's when someone is on Medicaid, it's a health coverage plan that that half of New Mexicans are on. It's a great program to make sure that we, we have people getting the health coverage they need. For us to establish a, fi a $5 order, that takes a lot of time and effort just to put the paperwork together, much less get it to court, get a hearing officer to sign off on it, a judge to sign off on it, and then start enforcing that order. So it seems, and I have to, you know, remind people that most of the people that come to us for services are either referred to us from the TANF program, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program. It's a cash assistance program for very low income families. These are families at 85% of the federal poverty level, below poverty level to get cash assistance. Um, Medicaid, uh, people who are on Medicaid, they are referred to us as well. They get our services for free. There are fees that are, um, that are charged for other uh, customers. Anyway, um, I think we just wanna make sure that they're getting the services that they, that they need. We want, if that family is not an intact family and we can um, benefit them by getting a current uh, a, a support order for them, we wanna do that. But medical support is not necessarily where we wanna go. So that's a potential um, thing. The other thing is we are looking at whether or not we take these child support guideline um, reviews that we have to do every four years, maybe take them out of statute, put them in the New Mexico Administrative Code so that we wouldn't have to go through the legislative session to make those changes all the time, because this isn't really a political issue. This is an economic issue. We need, we're reviewing the guideline changes based on uh, all the 
economics around us. So when we get the guideline commission together every four years, it would it would it's definitely a clear, transparent um, way of reviewing this and making changes. And we would go through rules and regulations to make those changes as well. So those are a couple of things that we're doing um, along with some of the recommendations uh, that the commission is still working on. But uh, we were, as I mentioned, we may be looking at hours of worked hours worked um, instead of assuming that people are make, working 40 hours a week. You know, you mentioned a, a great thing I want to remind people. The child support program is not just for low-income individuals. Anyone can apply if they have children and they're paying or collecting on a child support obligation. So reminding people, even though it's set up for TANF referrals or Medicaid referrals, any practitioner that has a court order to pay child support can recommend to their clients that they can go to the child support office and open up a case. And I, Absolutely. I and there are courts across the state right now who are um, requiring them to apply for services for with us. So if it's a private order, um, they're, they're, the, I know one particular um, court is doing this. They, it's a private case, but they are asking them, not requiring them, I guess a judge can do that, right? <laughs> requiring them to apply for services for us. And maybe it's just payment processing. And that's perfectly fine, but they want to make sure that that accounting that you were talking about is is there. Um, so we're we love those those um, those cases. We would love to make sure that we can help you with payment processing cases uh, alone. And then if that isn't working for you and you want to apply for full services, you can do that um, as well. You just need to apply for those uh, later on. I I, I forgot. I, I wanted to mention something to you. What should practitioners do if one of their clients gets a tax intercept? Uh, if one of their clients gets a tax intercept, um, I, if it's a joint uh, tax filing, so say the, uh, the non-custodial parent who we intercepted that tax from, a tax, uh, taxes from, is now married, and that's a joint uh, tax uh, filing, then um, those payments are put on hold for six months. So uh, they wanna make sure that we know that so that we can hold those payments, make sure that we're only collecting what, uh, what we need to collect. And then it would be released to the, what we called injured spouse in that instance. Um, if, if they are questioning it, there's always an opportunity for a fair hearing. Um, we do have fair hearings within the child support program, and that's something that anyone that someone would be able to ask for, as well as license suspension. You can ask for a fair hearing as well. I always tell people if you're unsure, you want to you, you always have an opportunity to walk into a child support office or email or call and ask for an audit. That's okay. always to make sure that the payments are being received and payments are going out. So that's I always the right answer. Yeah. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> well, no, I just that's that's how I look at it. Last yeah. question. Five to 10 years in the next future, uh, what do you think for the child support program? Where, where are you headed? As I mentioned, the flexibility, efficiency, and modernization rule. Um, we're really digging into that to see what we've missed in modernizing the child support program. I haven't even mentioned what we've done. Um, you mentioned the online payments. Um, you mentioned some of the things that we've done. We have so much more to go. Um, one of the things that we're looking at uh, in the next, um, in the upcoming legislative session is trying to find out uh, 
well, sorry. No, one of the things that we're doing in January is we're changing our distribution rules. We got funding in the last legislative session, and we're going to change our distribution rules so that more of our collections go directly to families. And when someone is on TANF um, and they're referred to us, they assign their rights, their support rights to us. So when we start making collections right now, uh, if that IRS payment comes in, the way that it's set up in our rules is that that IRS payment goes to state arrears first, then it goes to family arrears, and it doesn't even go towards current support or that monthly obligation. We are changing those rules and we're changing the system right now to, uh, uh, to make sure that the rules are correct in the system. So when that IRS payment comes in next year, it's gonna go to current support first, then it's gonna go to family arrears, then it will distribute to, to state arrears, but it's gonna pass through to the family and that family is going to get all of those monies. So that's a, a big thing that we're looking forward oh, that, to uh, implementing. That's great. And that's great for practitioners to know it. The, the rules are changing on how distributions are going to be made. Yep. Um, you know, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us on a Friday afternoon, uh, letting our practitioners know what the child support program is doing. I applaud you for all of your efforts, everything from the uh, online payments to the portal system. Uh, so we look forward to these changes and look forward to working with you uh, on, a, on a consistent basis. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. And um, the last thing I want to say is that uh, the child support program is here to help. <laughs> I know that that may, some people might find that funny, like we're the government, we're here to help, but it is true. And um, I, we're changing the way that we truly are doing business. And uh, we ask people to reach out to us and we're here for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced by the State Bar of New Mexico's Member Services Department and the Family Law Section. All editing and sound mixing was done by Blue Sky eLearn. Intro music is by Kevin McLeod at Incomtech. The views of the presenters are that of their own and not endorsed by the State Bar of New Mexico. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.